John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. And if you are here and you don't have a Bible, we invite you to take one of the Bibles that should be in one of the chairs and underneath the seat in front of you. And the, there's two different sizes of Bibles. This is a thicker one. This is, it's on page 887. If you don't have a Bible, you're here and you don't have a Bible, we would love for you to take one of the Bibles, keep it, write your name in it, make it your own, and we, we'd love for you to use it and read it and even be a help to you this morning. Page 887, John chapter 3, some of the most familiar verses, probably the most famous verse in the New Testament that we'll end with. I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. If you'll follow along with me. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with you. Here is a religious man that shows up at night, and we should note that Jesus says later, next Sunday's passage, that people love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. Or Jesus is the light that came into darkness. Here's Nicodemus, a very religious, supposed to be full of light kind of person. He comes at night to talk to Jesus and he says, Jesus, we know you must be from God because we have seen signs that are happening and only God is the explanation for these things. Jesus says to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, And of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, or said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound. But you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it, is everyone, so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know, and we bear witness to what we see, but you do not receive my, did not, you do not receive my testimony. If I have told you earthly things... And you do not believe. How can you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son... That whoever believes in him should not perish, 
but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Amen. Friends, these words could mean life or death to your eternal soul. We rejoice in this church over the last months and even weeks as babies are born to us. Just not that long ago, we had little Caleb born, and it's his first Sunday here in the gathering. And so we, we welcome him. One of, is it five generations in this church? Five living generations in this church. And we rejoice in his birth. And he was born of the flesh. That which is born of flesh is flesh. And we pray, and I know Mike and Chloe pray, and his grandparents pray, that little Calum, and I pray that your little child and my children, our children, would not just be born of the flesh like they already are, but they would be of the Spirit, and they would be born of the Spirit, exactly what Jesus is talking about in this passage. Jesus Christ comes into this world, and we find in John chapter 1, it says that Jesus is the life, and he is the light of men, bringing life and light to all who receive him. And now he's going to teach about something so vital, and it's called the new birth, being born again, being regenerated, all the same word, same concept. And I want, I pray that you and I will hear these truths and receive them. The foundation of our spiritual life as Christians, as human beings who are made to have a spiritual life forever. The foundation of any true and living spiritual life is the work of God, not your work. It is the work of God by his Holy Spirit giving you a new heart, new desires, a new nature, a new power. We call it the new birth or being born again. And without it, you will forever perish under the holy and righteous wrath of God according to this word which is truth. This new birth that Jesus is going to teach Nicodemus and us, unites, this new birth unites our hearts to Christ through faith, which is a gift from God and a command from God. This morning, I just want to speak to you about these things. I want to speak to you about the new birth that is in this passage by saying there's a necessity of the new birth, there's a me- I want us to look at the meaning of new birth, the mystery of the new birth. I want us to question, ask question, the question, do we have the new birth and find hope in the new birth? First of all, there's a necessity, the necessity of the new birth. I mean, it's very clear in these verses. Verse 7 says, you must, not you should think about it, you should consider it. You must be born again. Verses 3 and 5, unless a man, less one is born again, you can never see 
experience, have any type of comprehending of the kingdom of God. Unless you're born of spirit and of water, you can never enter into God's kingdom. Whether you are religious and you do a lot of practice and you go to church and you think yourself full of God, God things, or non-religious, and you don't care about those things. That's where we find Nicodemus very religious. We're going to find in the next chapter of John 4, the Samaritan woman, who while she might be religious, she was very ungodly, breaking God's law constantly, and she was in some ways of another religion, wasn't looking fully to the all of the promises in Israel, whether you are moral and you do good or are immoral, you need to be born again. Whether you were a Jew in that time or a Gentile, you needed to be born again. You need to be born again. It doesn't matter what country you're from, you need to be born again. Whether you are young, like Calum, Or you're old like Grandpa Mundy who celebrated 94 yesterday. Praise God. So there's there's some spectrums for you. A couple weeks old, 94. Both of them, it, it matters not if they've been grown up in a Christian home. It does not matter. All of those things, they still need to be born again. Let me say it this way, no one is born a Christian, but Jesus says everybody is reborn a Christian if they're a Christian. No one, all believers, are born again. In fact, we find what Jesus is teaching, something that this Jewish teacher, I mean, Nicodemus is a religious Bible knowledge guy. He knew the Old Testament. He practiced the Old Testament. He was not only outside of the realm, he wasn't just an outsider Pharisee, he was part of the ruling Sanhedrin. He was in, he knew all of these things. He should have known them. And Jesus had to teach him something, that Nicodemus Before you really will enter the kingdom of God that is coming to this world through the Son of God, you need new vision and you need a new heart. Just because you practice all of these things, just because you think you're a good man, that doesn't mean anything. You need to be born from within. You need a transformation to take place. And Nicodemus is just sitting there, not understanding what's going on. And we're going to see this through the Gospel of John. Time and time again, misunderstandings. Jesus saying one thing, and they're just sitting there taking it literally, and Jesus is at a different level. Jesus is doing this wisely and on purpose as certain truths are meant to slowly sink in and for us to sit back and relate and go to it and say, oh, this is what he really means. Nicodemus is going to say to Jesus, what? How can you go back when you're old? Can a man be old and born again and go into his mother's womb? And it's... It's insane, it's, it's crazy, it's not rational. And yet Jesus would say, yes, you, have, you can get born again when you're old. Jesus is teaching us the necessity 
of the new life that must come. You could go to Ephesians 2, and Ephesians 2 tells us why we need to be born again. It's because we are dead spiritually. This is not sentimental, but I know their parents enough to know that they would nod their head and say, oh, we love our little Caleb who was born recently. But we know that he, with his parents, Adam and Eve, are born dead in trespasses and sin. And he needs new life in the spirit. And frankly, he's not going to get it by coming up here and having the pastor sprinkle on him and baptize him. That's not what's going to cause him to be born again or to dedicate him. That won't cause him to be born again. But by the living and abiding word of God coming into his life as he grows and he receives the truth, but the reality is the Holy Spirit doing a life-giving work in him. Ephesians 2 says we were dead in our sins and we were under the wrath of God in his condemnation. We were unclean, doing our own deeds, following the course of the world and following our own flesh, our impulses and ways. All of you can testify that all of you have selfishness in you, that you don't naturally just love everybody and you don't naturally love God with all your heart, so much so that you don't care about anything, you just want God. That is not our natural born makeup. I have five kids, and I didn't have to teach one of them to disobey. They had it by nature. And, and, they, and they learned it. They learned sin from parents, from this parent, because they were parented by sinful parents. But by God's grace, our hope is dead, spiritually dead people under the wrath of God in their sin and uncleanness. Something has to take place to make us alive, to remove the wrath of God, to bring us in a status of forgiveness, and to cleanse us. If you're not a Christian and you're here, this passage is meant to call your heart to the reality that you need to be born again. And oh, we pray that God would do that. You don't do that. That God will do that. And you will respond in faith to him. Professing Christians that are here, that's probably almost all of you, including all the members of Faith Church. I say professing. You say you're a Christian. I do want to say this, not to make people wrongly uncomfortable, but to make you rightly uncomfortable so that your heart would look to the word of God and look to Christ. Many who think they're not Christian, many who think they are Christians are actually not Christians. They're Christians in word only. And they still need Christ and they need this new birth. If you come to Christ because you want him to make your life just better and that Jesus is just going to fix your life, That's not evidence that he's really come in and given you new life. Everybody wants Jesus to make their life better. It takes a miracle to see that Jesus is the only hope, the only son of God, that he is what your soul was made for, and you look to him and you live in Christ. I just want you to know this. There is a necessity that all of us have, you have. You must be born again. Number two, I want us to ponder the meaning of the new birth. 
Jesus says a lot of things, and we could go to other passages. We're going to mostly limit ourselves to just this passage in John 3, maybe dip into the Old Testament. What does it mean to be born again? Well, Jesus makes it clear here. If we just dig in and think about it, if you look with me at verse 6, that to be, given, to be born again is to be given new spiritual life from the Holy Spirit, or what he says, the Spirit. That which is born of flesh is flesh. He, just, he means that which is born of just humankind, like you and I were just born of our parents. That which is born of human parents is, is human. And because we're human in the old Adam in the fall, we're sinners and we're under the wrath of God, and we have a sinful nature. But that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. In verse 3, it says, to be born again is to be given the ability to see. See verse 3? Please look there. Unless, one, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. It could be very true. I know it's been true for many of you in this church who are now Christians and you're growing and you love God and you'd say, it's because he did it, not me. But you would say, I grew up with Christian background and I heard, I'm sure I heard the gospel. I heard truths about God. I had it taught all my life. I'm thankful. I look back. I did have parents that brought it to me, but I didn't become a Christian until I was adult. It was almost like I saw Jesus and the gospel for the first time, like I'd never seen it before. But then I look back and I go, I guess I had seen it before, but I wasn't given the sight that I needed to see it. And here in this passage, it says, that unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Oh, it might be true of you. It has been true of you. And you know people who they need their eyes to be open to see Jesus, that he really is the son of God, to believe upon him, to receive him and accept him, to turn away from their sins and see that he is a greater treasure than everything else you were actually looking for and you need him. Now, this passage says that the, that gives us an insight into the meaning of the new birth. In verse 5, please look with me there. He says this, unless a man is born of the water and of spirit, the spirit. You might say, what does he mean by born of the water and the spirit? Some of you might say, see, pastor, there's baptism right there. There's water. And I would say, no, I don't believe that's what he's talking about. Because a little bit later, he says to Nicodemus, when Nicodemus says, what are you talking about? How can these things be? And, and Jesus didn't say, I can understand why you wouldn't understand this, because this is all new teaching and I need to bring it to you. No. Jesus says, aren't you a teacher in Israel? You should have known this. If he was talking about baptism, Nicodemus wouldn't know what this means. It would be new. He's talking about something that was referred to in the Old Testament when he said, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. And I believe he's referring to a, a passage of Scripture or a book of Bible that we often don't read, and it's in the book of the prophets. It's Ezekiel chapter 36, when, Jesus, when, when the prophet has been given this word, and God's people were dead 
they were so away from God at this time. They were exiled. They were on their own. They had rebelled against God. They had gone to idols. They're a picture of us. They're a picture of us in how we are born and live without God until he comes and interrupts our lives and changes us. And in Ezekiel 36, God says, but I'm going to do something. Look at verse 25 of Ezekiel 36. He says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. And you shall be clean from all your uncleanness. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. And I will put it within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That, that, that word flesh there doesn't mean sinful flesh. It just means living versus stone, fake or dead or just non-living. I'll give you a living heart, spiritual heart, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. Christian, if you're here and God has done a work in your life and you look back and you, not with pride, but in joy and you go, boy, God has taken me a long way. When I look at where I was, I just I was so selfish and I just hated God, and I just wanted my own way. I was just full of pride and anger or fear and all of these things. And I'm not there. I'm not perfect, but boy, I've come a long way. And I, not perfectly, but I do love God. And I love my brother and sister in Christ. And I love, even I've grown to love my enemy sometimes. That's a miracle. That's a miracle. How did that happen? You didn't cause that to happen. You might have made decisions. Yes, praise God. He worked in your will. You made decisions. But it was something working within you, giving you a new heart. And what I think Jesus is saying when he says in John chapter 3, verse 5, that which he says, unless a person is born of the Spirit or water and of the Spirit, he's saying, I'm referring to what Ezekiel was prophesying and saying, You need to have the cleansing power of the Spirit come upon your life, cleaning you by His grace, empowering you with a new heart. This idea of heart is a new desire, a new, from the inside out, not just, I'm going to do it, but I don't care to do it, but I want to do it. A change of desires to God that comes from the inside out. Jesus is going to say to Nicodemus and to all of us, what is the new birth? It is something that is absolutely necessary that brings his spirit into our lives, giving us a new power, a new way, a new ability, a new love for God. Not perfectly because we still are are impacted by sin in our lives. We still have, it's almost like he gives us a new nature, but our old nature is still there and it's now at war with each other. But this new nature is something now that God is bringing to win in our lives. The last thing I want to say about the meaning of the new birth, or at least what it means in our lives, is, well, John is going to tell us this, and he already told us this in John 1, 12, and 13. He says, to those who receive him and believe in his name, he gave power to become children of God. He says, who were born 
not of the flesh. He said, they are become children of God and ha- because they were born of God. Chapter 1, verse 13. So, summarize these things. You need to be born again. And you need to be born again by God and by His Spirit. And it makes a difference. And I want you to see, thirdly, it's a mystery. Look at verse 8 with me. Chapter 3, verse 8 of John. He says, Nicodemus, this is Jesus talking to the, the Pharisee, Nicodemus. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from and where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. He's saying it's not caused by man. You cannot create that wind. You cannot, you can maybe use the wind for your advantage, but you cannot create the wind. You cannot predict the wind ultimately, not accurately. Those who are born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God, John 1.13. To be born again is not to reform yourself. Don't listen to this sermon and say, Pastor said I need to be born again. I better start reforming myself. I hope reformation will happen in your life, but that's not going to cause you to be born again. To be born again is not to choose Jesus or decide to follow him. And you'll hear me say over and over again, please choose Jesus. Please follow him. But that won't cause you to be born again from the inside out and have your heart sprinkled clean with that water that cleanses you and which changes your heart and makes you walk in his ways like it said in Ezekiel 36, 5 and 6. To be born again is not to surrender to him as important as that is to your life. To be born again is, to not choose, is not to choose to get baptized. And all of those things are fruits of being born again. They are the result of being born again. Little Caleb, born a few weeks ago, didn't cause his birth by crying. He cried because he was born. He breathed because he was born. He didn't cause his birth by, being, by breathing or crying. It was the result of the birth. You're believing, you're surrendering, you're choosing Christ, you're choosing to get baptized because you love him and want to follow him like some of you are going to do in a few weeks, is the result of the new birth working in your life. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, Peter says, who has caused us to be born again unto a living hope. Now the question, fourthly, that I want us to just ask is, I want to ask a question about the new birth, and it's this. Have you been born again? Have you been truly born again, friend? From back corner to front corner, no matter what your age is sitting in here, have you had your life transformed from the inside out by something that didn't come from you but came from somewhere outside of you, now you learn, is of God? Do you want to be born again? 
you are here and you're not a Christian or not sure, and you say, I don't know, but I'm finding myself wanting to. And I'm finding myself wanting to and longing to, not just because I want to get what Jesus can just give me because so I can just enjoy my life a little bit more, because I'm finding from within there's something going on that I see that he is actually what I was made for. I want to say to you, if you're here, whether you say you're a Christian or not, you might be a member, you might be a, a key volunteer in this church. But if you're not born again, you will come to despise this day when you are thinking on the opportunity or the question if you were born again. And you considered, and you will consider, and you were considering these deeper things, and you squandered this opportunity. Friends, if you're not trusting in Christ for your salvation, if you do not repent of your sins and ask God to help you put them away, if you don't care for the Bible and to read it and to grow in it, it might be really hard, but you desire to know it. If you don't care to pray or talk to God or cry out to Him for help, if you don't really have a relationship with Him, it might be small, but you don't care about that and there's nothing there. Even if you were baptized or prayed a prayer and asked Jesus in your heart, If none of those things are true, you have no reason to think you're born again and you're lost. Far too many people are religious and churchgoers and they call themselves Christians but are less born again than a statue is physically alive. You might have agreement on good theology and can agree with our doctrinal statement. You might have been baptized and you were baptized at the right point. You were baptized after you asked Jesus in your heart, not even when you were young. You you made a decision for Christ and you asked him to save you one time. And you remember that at camp or Bible school or whatever it was, or a Billy Graham crusade. Maybe you've participated in ministries. You have served. You've sacrificed. You've done so many things. Well, Jesus said, many of you will say, Lord, Lord. I did all these things in your name, and he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. You might have thought, man, I have just changed a lot. I have a lot. I'm I'm a lot better than I was before. I'm not as selfish. I do a lot of good things. I don't swear like I used to. I'm not, I don't steal. I start to give. I, I don't complain like I used to. None of those things necessarily a mark of anything in our lives. And the danger markers in our lives is, you might not be born again even if you think you're saved, is if there's no true love for God, for his glory, and no true love for others. Or you're dealing with sinful behaviors and attitudes, and you just gave up on trying. You're just like, whatever. It's just going to be the way I'm going to go. He saved me. He'll save me at the end. You don't, you don't get saved by cleaning yourself up. But a mark of being saved is that he's changing you. A danger marker of somebody who says they're born again or thinks they're born again but might not be is that their their faith in God, dependence on God, isn't lasting. Oh, yes, at one time they said they were a Christian. One time they said they believe. And even today you say you believe. But if you look at all your decisions, your attitudes, and your emotions, they all betray a real faith in him. 
You have no desire to be part of the people of God, to be with His church, to worship with Him, to get to know them and to care for them and to obey all of the commandments that God has said to love one another, forgive one another, to serve one another and build each other up. You have no desire to grow in God's word, to read it for yourself. And when you find it really hard, say, but I'll find a way to help me grow. I'll get somebody to help me, to listen to it, to pray and to seek him. Living beings pray. Living beings breathe. Living Christians that have been born again pray. They call on the name of the Lord. Jesus said that we will be recognized by our fruits. What are the indicators of, as we ask the question, am I born again? I, do you have spiritual life? If you've been born again spiritually, you'll have spiritual life, and it will be characterized in your life when no one's looking and when others are looking. And it will be something that will grow in your life and start to dominate who you are. Not perfectly. But you'll have spiritual life. You'll desire the things of God. And you'll desire it not at a selfish motive, but you'll desire it for God's sake. Are you bearing fruit in your life? Do you read your Bible? Do you desire to pray? Do you fight your addictions or your sin? Maybe you're not winning, but you fight them and you are sorry and you care. That's all God working in you, giving you life. Please hear this. People that are born again sin and they sin every day all of the time. But God is at work in you and you care about it and you grieve over it and you repent over it and you look to Christ and you apply what he has done for you on the cross. I want to end this with this, the hope of being born again. This passage, John 3, 1 through, I, I stopped at verse 17. Next week, we're going to pick up around probably verse 13 or 14, and we're going to take us to 21. We'll overlap. The hope of being born again. This passage does not tell us to go out and be born again. That is, not, that is something that God does to us. And in some ways, we're passive on that. Calum had nothing to do with the cause of his being born. It was all something outside of him. God tells us in this passage that we, what we need, we need it. And so that we would not be complacent, but then we would go, hmm, do I really have the new birth? I need the new birth. For us to go, praise God, I do have the new birth. Or, I'm not sure because I don't see any fruit in my life. Neither does anyone else. I want to say this. The first work of the Spirit in your life is when you say, and I'm talking to especially those that are non-Christians, I don't know if I have it, but oh, I want it like I never did before. And where did I want that come from? I long to have God show me himself. I long to know that Jesus is the way. I don't yet fully understand it, but I want to know my sins are actually bad. They're worse than I thought. 
I didn't realize how bad. I'm just starting to realize, but he's starting to show me. And oh, I need help for that. I need help for that guilt. I need help for that shame. Where do I get it? The world doesn't offer me something that really is satisfying to take care of my shame. This is a start of a really good mark of what God is doing in your life. Know what John 3 does after this conversation with Nicodemus? It brings up the cross. Jesus isn't close to going to the cross yet. This is only John 3. He's not going to go to the cross until 19. And yet, do you see the cross in these verses? I hope I want to point you to the cross in these verses. He brings us to the cross through a story in the Old Testament of Moses with a fiery serpent in the wilderness. Jesus gives the listener hope. He doesn't just say, you got to be born again, good luck, see if it happens to you. He bids us to look at Christ. Look to Christ and believe. Look and trust. Look with me at verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man, that's Jesus, be lifted up. That whoever believes in him, that's Jesus, may have eternal life. That's heaven. That's new life. That's the new birth included in that. Verse 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, what is, where's the cross in these verses? I want you to see verse 14. It says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. It's a reference to Numbers chapter 21, where Moses is in the wilderness leading the people of Israel out of bondage to slavery. And God is meeting all of their needs left and right, showing him that he will be their God. They've already gone to some idolatry worship, but they're following him in some ways. God's providing, and they start complaining to Moses, and God sends a judgment that they deserve against them, and these poisonous snakes attack them and start to go after them and kill them. And it says they bit the people, and the people of Israel died, verse 6 of Numbers 21, and the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you, Moses. Pray to the Lord that he might send away these serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and everyone who's bitten, when he sees that serpent, shall live. So what does he do? What does he mean by a fiery serpent make on a, put on a pole? So Moses made a bronze serpent. He set it on a pole, lifted it up on the hill. And if a serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Now, why is that the case? Was it because the bronze serpent was magical? Was it because they 
earn something. No, the bronze serpent was what God had commanded Moses to do. He says, I'm going to save them. I'm going to lift up the serpent. I'm going to have you lift it up, and they're going to look at my promise. My promise is I will heal them if they will look, if they will believe me enough to do what I tell them to do by looking at this bronze serpent, and everyone who looks upon it will live. Now, it says here that everyone who did look lived. There was a 100% cure rate for everyone who looked at the serpent. According to God's command, they believed. Now, this story of John says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. Why? So that everyone who believes in him will not perish. So that everyone who looks to him Just like in the Old Testament, they looked at God's promise being fulfilled and they looked at something hanging on up on that pole so Jesus would be lifted up in what he's referring to. And he refers to it later on that Jesus will be lifted up and glorified. And what he didn't mean is go to heaven someday when he died and rose from the dead. He's talking, he's going to go to the cross. And on the cross, he would stretch out his hands and he would be crucified for us. And he says that whoever looks to Jesus, who dies for their sins and takes their place, is the fulfillment of God's promise. They will live. If they believe Jesus, that he died for them and rose from the dead from them, they look to Jesus, they will live. What is John telling us in these verses? He's saying, you must be born again. There's no hope from without you're born again. It's a mystery. It's got to be come from God. But oh, I want you to have hope. That just as Moses was lifted up in the wilderness, you look to the sun, you have life. You can't cause yourself to be born again, but you look to Jesus, you have life. You look to Jesus dying on the cross, paying for your sin, recognizing that you are so bad that you need a Savior, and He is the only Savior to take away your sin and shame. He is the only substitute for your sins. Look to him and repent of your sins. Look to him and believe he died for you. Look to him and he will remove your sins and he will give you his righteousness. I can promise you, as a preacher of the gospel, those that have done that already and to those that have not yet truly done it, if you look to Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross, he bore the sins of all who turn away from themselves And believe upon him. He bore your sins if you do that. And he becomes the substitute for the punishment that should go to you. It came upon him. So you don't get any more punishment. Instead you only get God's righteousness. And his favor. And his love forever. And he cleanses you. Sprinkles you clean with clean water through the blood of Christ. And he transforms you. All of this is his doing It's a mystery. I don't get it all, but I love it. And I hope you will too. So what do you do as we close? What do we do with these things? If you're so disturbed in your soul where you are, oh, just cry out to God. Look to him. Come talk to us after today, after the service. Look to Christ. Call on the name of the Lord. Talk to, you're in a good place to get help. Someone here would love to talk to you 
but coming to Christ. And if you are here and saying, man, I've asked Jesus in my heart, but I don't see any fruit in my life, look to Jesus. Call on him. Ask someone to pray with you and talk to you about these things. If you say, praise God, that has happened in my life, it might be that God just uses a passage like this to be like a defibrillating jolt in your life to go, man, I am alive, but boy, I was not, not doing so good. And spirits reworking in my life. May God help us. Would you pray with me as we close? Father, I pray that you would help every member of this church to cherish Christ more than anything. I pray that they would rejoice and live out what they have been given in the new birth. I pray that not one member of this church would be self-deceived and he would or she would be born again today by your spirit right now or maybe already and would bear fruit for you. There's someone here that says, I'm not, I wasn't a Christian coming, but now I am. God, would you give that to them? Would you cause them to look to the Son and believe, have eternal life? God, that's what we are called to bring to our, our family, our children, our babies that are born of the flesh, our teenagers, our neighbors. I pray that we'd do that. I pray that we'd care that our co-workers and our students and our classmates would be born again. I pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.